I am Joshua Hale Fialkov. I was the writer of Spider-Man Who Am I and Alpha, and you are listening to the amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The amazing Welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. We've got a bit of a weird schedule here, Mark. We're not getting a new Spidey book until December. I know. So so what are we going to do to hold the, the legions of fans over, Dan? Well, first off, we're going to thank them for joining us for this special Essentials episode of Amazing Spider Talk. And we're also going to hope that they enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Mark, why don't you elucidate for our listeners (laughs) some more specifics on, on what we're going to be doing today? Well, then, uh, well, for this episode, what we will be doing is discussing our potential essential Spider-Man comic of the week. Uh, we'll be doing Dan's pick this time. And uh, spoiler alert, the next two are actually going to be from you since I got two in a row. Uh, so your pick around, uh, this time around, Dan, was Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 3 by Smiling Stan Lee and Jazzy John Romita. Of course, you had to pick an annual. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is so me. Uh, you know, can we just agree, though, that annuals don't count, or do we have to revisit the fight and make poor Zeke cry uh, while drawing the sketch of our fight again? I think you're right, Mark. You're right. Annuals do count. I'm <laughs> glad I heard you correctly. Anyway. Especially when an annual happens to detail Spider-Man's first run-in with the Avengers. But uh, we'll cover that in just a second. Let's get, let's get to it, right? All right, but first, let me kick your butt. So tell us, Dan, beyond uh, your inability to let this argument end over the state of annuals, why did you think that this comic was an essential pick? Well, I think the argument over annuals is over because I, oh. I, won, I won, clearly. But, uh, yeah, this one is – this is essential, I think, because, uh, you know, well, it's a very early annual. And I think if the annuals – if we're going to say they count, I think they counted most – in the early years of the annuals. I mean, annual number one, we got the uh, first appearance of the Sinister Six, which you and I have talked about uh, before. 
But in this one, we get the first official meeting between Spider-Man and the Avengers. And boy, what an image we're given of that. This awesome full-page spread of Spider-Man meeting the Avengers. And Stan even points it out in this issue. He says, And then, a scene that shall live forever in the hearts and memories of Spider-Files everywhere. I think he's talking directly to you and I, Mark. I think so. Spider-Files. There's a new one for me. Um, a word, a word so great it can only debut in an annual. <laughs> and from Stan's mouth, nobody, <laughs> nobody creates words like like Stan. Uh, Excelsior, Excelsior. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know that that's a pretty big moment in of itself. But I think even bigger than that is that this book establishes Spider-Man as a loner. And would kind of keep him out of the Avengers for decades of characterization, even if it's all based on a misconception. Um, and I think that, um, you know, above anything else, is the real reason uh, that this book, to me, is essential. Is the kind of loner element of Spider-Man that kind of, I think, in this day and age, maybe is a little bit forgotten. It seems like every issue he's teaming up with, well, I mean, especially in these past few issues, he's been teaming up with someone almost every time. Um, yeah, and there's also this kind of classic conundrum established here in this issue between Peter's ability to gain respect and power by joining the Avengers, but um, not be able to handle his own private needs as a, as a citizen, like caring for his aunt or tackling his own problems as he best sees fit. And um, I think it's a great struggle that really helps kind of. Uh, um, bridge the gap between the Dicko interpretation of, of Peter Parker and the Romita interpretation of Peter Parker. Cause it's kind of like stuck between these realms of being friends with everybody and being selfish. And I, I really think that's kind of the two different appearances of how we've seen Peter between those two eras. So, and to top things all off, I think this issue is quite prophetic to Peter's future. Uh, he basically lays out all of the problems that he would eventually face after mm. joining the Avengers, and you could just draw check marks in your comic if you so wanted to, if you owned it, Mark. Actually, I don't know yeah. if you own this one. I, I don't own this one. This is actually one I've been. This is this would be an annual I actually would like to buy, but uh, okay, uh, yeah. So but let's not get into that. But if <laughs> if you were to ever get that book and wanted to face it, you could literally draw giant check marks in your book saying that happened to him and that happened to him. And uh, yeah, I kind of liked reading this again because I was like, oh man, he knew what would happen exactly. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's why I think this book is essential. How about you, Mark? What what do you think about this book? Would you deem it essential? Um, it's. I think it's on the borderline for me. I mean, it's. I think. I think the only thing that possibly negates its essentialness is kind of how, and you you even referred to it in, in your opening there, how like a lot of these elements have kind of been brushed over um, for you know in 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 recent years in kind of favor of making um, Spider-Man more of a team player or at least you know getting him into more comics so he can sell more comics. I mean that was that was part of the reason why I I you know when we were doing. Our essential picks. I, I I wanted to get him interacting with the Avengers, and I picked that two in one issue with with Thanos. I mean, also because I thought it would tie into the movie, but I felt like um, that was a story that you know kind of showed kind of showed how Peter and Spider Man kind of operate almost to the beat of their own drum, but like it's still still more less less 
confrontational adversarial towards the other heroes in the universe for whatever that's worth. Um, so this is but, your way of basically saying I'm going to still retroactively say vote for my essentials two and one. Well, you know, you go, we can. Uh, there's no rule that says we can't remind others of earlier picks. I'm, I'm uh, just kidding. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it's a good point. <laughs> um, but but no, I think this is a, a, a this, this is a good choice. I don't. I don't. I you know, like I I I mean. Obviously, I made my my pick, and it's not this one in terms of a Spider-Man Avengers story. But I wouldn't argue against somebody who said that they felt that this one is more kind of in tune to the essential nature of of Spider-Man comics and 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 what a reader should, you know, a casual reader should be familiar with. So I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just not giving you a hundred percent endorsement because you know, Marvel two in one annual number two. There, there is, there is, there is a, a a good point to be made about Spider-Man. I mean, he the Marvel team up book is built on the back of Spider-Man, you know, teaming up with other people. So he might, maybe he is not quite the loner after all. Um, it may be yeah, more but, my but, own projections on what I wish the character was. But even then, I mean, even in Marvel team up, I mean, like a lot of those scenarios, and I, I, I love Marvel team up. I, I probably remember more of it than I should, but, um, you know, a lot of those team ups are kind of like very random and, 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 and serendipitous in nature. It's not because, you know, Spidey's going around looking to, you know, be friends with people, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, Hey, I'm chasing this villain. Oh, Hey, you're chasing this villain. Let's chase them together. Okay. Bye later. I don't like you. Well, you know, like that's, that's like almost, that's the plot of almost every single Marvel team up, you know, like that's how this podcast started. Yeah, or like, or like, oh, you know, this guy's a bit of a jerk, but oh man, the, this this random villain captured, you know, this this Bobby Morris has been captured by by Hydra, so I guess I better better save her. But you know, I don't trust her either. <laughs> you know, so it, it's it, it is this loner thing is true. I mean, I think they kind of push it to to interesting levels here. But this is this is also this is a fun comic, and 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 there's like there's some there's some like heart to it towards the end too kind of unexpected and actually it was in in rereading this that i remembered kind of the circumstances uh behind why spider-man ultimately didn't join the avengers and we'll get to that but it was it kind of surprised me i was like oh wow like that that's a really interesting true to spider-man beat emotional beat that you know is very that again i think adds to the essential nature of it um yeah sure so let's tell the the listeners at home who maybe haven't read this issue what the basic idea of it is yeah i mean it's you know it's basically the you know the avengers and all of their pompousness and you know so congratulatory nature of being like you know, we're gonna. We need a new member. What do you think about Spider-Man? And this, and, <laughs> they're, 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 and you know, they're kind of like just like going back and forth, and like, oh, we should give him a test. And I, and, I, and this is something that I, I always loved how Captain America is like. Well, no, we can't give them a test until we know that we're interested in them joining. I'm like, well, isn't that what you're doing? Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I love how the Avengers are kind of like reduced to like a He-Man woman haters club. It's like me Avengers, you not me no likey. 
Are you expecting like Al Bundy to walk in with like a no ma'am shirt or something? Or uh... <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's there. I mean, and what's so funny too is that I mean, it, they're all Stan Lee, you know, characters, so to speak, and 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 it's like he really goes out of his way to make the Avengers look like a bunch of of dorks in this, <laughs> in this comic, like. Like I mean, you have the wasp. What's what's up with wasp in this comic? I have I, mean, to, I have to say, I wanted to make a particular note of this because one of my favorite ongoing feuds during like early Spider-Man comics is I think it starts in this issue or is at least established here that Spider-Man and the Wasp don't really get along purely because the wasp insists that wasps and spiders don't get along, and she's right. like just because of the names. Can't like Spider-Man. And I think there's several other issues where she expresses similar feelings. Yeah. Whereas Hank Pym is just like, I don't know about ants or Goliaths, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I, I, it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is, this is being played to comedic effect. Um, this, this whole, like, do we recruit him or not thing? And like Thor even shows up and Spider-Man's just like, who, who talks like this? And it's like, Oh, it's Thor. And he's serious. He actually really does talk like this. It's I like mean, Shakespeare it's, in the park or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my, uh, one of my favorite things is that the Avengers need to get in contact with Spider-Man or they need to like vet him. So they're like, who could possibly know Spider-Man? I don't know. Let's call in daredevil. I bet they teamed up once, didn't they? And, nice. uh, and, and dutiful readers will know that they teamed up to fight the ringmaster in issue 14, um, 16, 16, sorry. It was issue 14 of daredevil, I believe where Spider-Man teamed up. And that was the first time that John Romita senior drew Spider-Man. Um, I don't know how I know that, but I know that. Right. Um, but uh, oh, I know how you know that because you want to. You want a, a signature from Romita by knowing that. I did. I did. I did. Um, but uh, so Daredevil comes in and he's like, "Yeah, I totally vouch for this guy. He's cool, and he's getting better all the time." And I thought that was interesting. But I, what's cool about that, I think, is it kind of they don't even think to invite Daredevil. Because there's yeah. already kind of this like class of superhero being established. There's like the A level superheroes, and then there's like Spider Man and Daredevil who are just like fighting petty thieves, you know. And then somehow Hawkeye's an Avenger because yeah, you know, right? Because <laughs> you know he was going to be a crook, but they felt bad for him. I mean, that was <laughs> that's that's more or less how Hawkeye joined the Avengers. <laughs> They're quick to point that out too. They're like Hawkeye, you could get along with Spider Man because you're both crooks. Yeah, you're, you're, you're both schmucks. You can get along with them, right? <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 the subtext of this comic. And, of course, like, once they bring Spider-Man in, I mean, this, this, this just cracks me up every time. Um, you know, they're kind of, you know, Spidey's kind of got the chip on his shoulder, which I thought was, you know, true to character. You know, like, what do you mean I got to prove myself? What You know, haven't you seen what I've done? And as he's getting like more and more heated, he has this like inner monologue moment where he's like, wait, maybe, maybe them getting me angry is the test. Well, then let me, let me show them what I could do. And then he just like starts fighting like with Hawkeye. And I'm like, wait, don't you, if that was the test, wouldn't you think just keep calm would be the proper response? (laughs) And he even has a moment where he thinks like that. He's like, he's like, uh, 
He's like, oh, man, I hate it when I get angry. I thought I would come in here and blow off the handle or go off the handle, and I did. I'm always messing up like this. I don't want to say, like, it's a regressive story in terms of character, but, like, this is definitely playing up the the worst and most impulsive traits of really everybody in this comic. Like, there's there's no... There's no nuance. <laughs> There's literally a scene where, like, Tony Stark is like, all right, I'm going to send you all the time out. You go to yeah. your separate corners of the room and everybody cool down. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's very over the top. Um, so then course- Spider-Man, like, beats it out of there and goes back to, like, Aunt May to kind of think about their offer. And he, I love, one of my favorite things in the story is, He's like, everything was going great for me. Everything was getting better. My – everybody at school was starting to get friendlier and and that always makes me laugh because, yeah, they were actually getting friendlier because the minute Ditko left the book, everybody just suddenly became Peter's best friend. Yeah. And and I like that they kind of acknowledge that in this story. Yeah, and he has his motorcycle here, which if uh, my Spider-Man Blue history is correct, so this this place is it probably what like somewhere in ASM forties, right? Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, like probably around forty six, forty seven, probably one of those issues that Deadpool traveled back in time to, I believe. <laughs> the Craven issue, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so yeah, exactly. Like there's just a change in tune, and things were getting better, and. You know, I, I think he's still a few issues away from from Spider-Man No More, um, but 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 it, this shows like, I mean, you mentioned it in the beginning too, like that that struggle that comes with being Peter. It's like it it just is never. There's some. There's always a complication. There's always a wrinkle in his life. Like it's never just all good. You know, like it, it, he he can't just live his life and, and have that balance. Always something has to disrupt the balance. And in this case, it's the same. And, and I, and I like that he thinks about how, what being an Avenger, how it's going to impact his life. And, 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 you know, you mentioned how, how, you know, how forward thinking he had, how much, uh, you know, foresight he had here, but, um, all the same, like it's, it's, these are real issues. And because he's such a unique character in the Marvel universe, this is something that is specific to him that he has to deal with. Uh, that yin and yang of, of celebrity and fame is something that's kind of teased Peter before, you know, and he's fallen down that trap um, in, into pursuing celebrity and fame. And, and, uh, and he knows the kind of caution. I mean, not that every time you become famous, your uncle dies. Uh, but uh, he he knows that you know perhaps his personality would not be best uh, uh, placed in, in a in a world of fame and and perhaps luxury. And he's worried about if his identity gets revealed, his aunt will have a heart attack because at this point in time, Aunt May was like just right about to keel over any minute uh, of the. Of well, the right, issue. every issue, every yeah. panel was a pot- uh, was a potential death for Aunt May. She she was Red Fox and Sanford and Son, man. I mean, let me tell you. <laughs> so he goes back to the Avengers and is like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this, and they have a particular challenge for him. Which- well, before before we get to the challenge, I just I, I do want to add that I I like how he comes to the conclusion 
to join the Avengers because of that old power responsibility thing. You yeah, know, like yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I like, he has this very definitive point where he's like, you know, like he's basically saying like all this stuff with Aunt May and her health and his secret identity and his, his work life balance that he's, you know, seems to be getting down pat. It's him being selfish because no, I mean, if I could help the Avengers save the world, I have to do it. And it's like, yeah, that's it. I mean, there you go. There's, there's the lesson again. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, the stakes are higher, but it's the, still the same lesson being applied. And I liked that that's what made him go back. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So the challenge that's presented to Peter is not just like the lightest challenge of all. It's like, it's basically like they, Decided they wanted him to be in the Avengers, and then we're like, I don't really know if we really want him because they <laughs> tell him to go and track down the Hulk and be like, Hey, Hulk, come back and join the Avengers with me. And like, this is when the Hulk was like at his least cooperative. I, I would I would say just kind of wandering the Earth as this destructive force, and. So, yeah, Spider-Man is to go and meet the Hulk again. He met the Hulk for the first time in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 14, that Green Goblin issue. But uh, Yes. So he goes and finds the Hulk. And then what happens there, Mark? Well, you know, the the over the course of, you know, a very poor negotiation, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Hulk uh, transforms back into his human form and reveals himself as Bruce Banner. And, you know, this was like what kind of one of those moments where I had to remind myself that, you know, in the in the 60s, not everybody knew the Hulk was Bruce Banner. Like, I mean, that's just something I take for granted now. Like everybody knows who the Hulk is. I mean, there's no secret there. And and that makes Spider-Man, like Spider-Man pause because he's like, why? Wh- why are they so desperate to capture to take in this scientist, this brilliant scientist? And and. And this is this is that moment of like heart and compassion that I was telling you about, you know, mentioning in the beginning, Dan. It's like, you know, like, yeah, you know, Spider-Man is talking about his responsibility to save the world and everything like that. But, it, it, you know, he's kind of like, who are these people? Like, what, what, what would I be signing up for if if going after someone like Bruce Banner is what I might be doing as an Avenger? And it, it, it's an interesting question. Yeah, and then he decides, you know what, it's not worth it, and says, I'm not going to become an Avenger, and I'm going to let this guy go. Even though he doesn't realize that the Avengers have, like, positive intentions with Bruce to kind of save him. So it's kind of a misconception, but his intentions are good. And this is another thing I really like about this story, is that, like, there's a touching change for Peter in this story. Because, you know, we discussed it just a second ago. In Amazing Fantasy 15, he's seeking glory and fame, the kind that he could have found with the Avengers. But there's this touching story told by Banner here that kind of opens his eyes to the situation. And, you know, he forgoes fame and fortune to save the life of one man, which is the exact opposite of what he did in Amazing Fantasy 15, even though he wasn't necessarily aware of that choice that he was making. And to me, this represents like a great piece of character growth. Uh, for the character and is one of the reasons that we we like Peter Parker um, as a superhero. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's 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 in this sea of very of silliness throughout this whole comic. It's kind of this unexpected, you know, like diamond in the rough character moment. And and 
you know, I mean, we even kind of saw, you mentioned Amazing Fantasy 15. I mean, we even saw this more in um, Fantastic, in Amazing Spider-Man number one with the Fantastic Four, where, you know, he's trying to join up, but, you know, he, he gets his ego bruised and he just kind of takes off without, before making a, you know, a positive impression on anybody. And at least like here, it's like, you know, he kind of, I, I think he, I think he identifies with the Hulk. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that, that again, that loner thing. And this is, mm-hmm. and this is where he ends up saying point blank, you know, I, I'm, you know, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I, I just do things by myself. I'm not a team player. And, and, you know, maybe he's selling himself short because he's obviously proven he can be a team player, but, I think because he ends up identifying with the Hulk, that's the path he ends up going on, which is just such an interesting choice for Peter to make. And that would last for quite a while. I mean, he didn't join the Avengers until the the aughts, you know. And yeah, I mean, and any time he even like kind of reconsidered, you know, it was almost like the story got used against him. You know what I mean? Like, like he, <laughs> they just never fully wanted to embrace him. I mean, they made him a reserve member for a while, which was like weird. I mean, Roger Stern wrote a great story in the eighties when he was on Avengers, uh, where, where Spider-Man went to join and that, that, that actually, I mean, that's not more essential than this, but that might be my favorite of the Spider-Man tries to join the Avengers stories. Cause that's just, I mean, it's so funny and, and you know, it's got like Spidey fighting a bunch of lava men, even though Captain America told him not to. And then like at the end, like stand up Spidey, you know, they end up, uh, what's, uh, who's, uh, Thanos's brother, Star Fox. Is that yeah. me? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, like the they player. end up like, yeah, the one who, you know, with the pheromones, they end up giving like Star Fox a spot on the Avengers and Spidey's like, him? <laughs> Anything else on this issue, Dan? That no, you wanna... I, I, that's all I wanted to say. You know, it's a pretty simple issue, but a lot of fun, a lot of great character moments, you know, uh, happy, sad, whatever. Um, I just think a great, to me, essential Spider-Man comic. No, good choice, Dan. I'm glad you brought this one in. Before we get into our uh, Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews, Mark, I I wanted to acknowledge that we're coming up on our 100th episode uh, really soon, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And I know you and I are still planning what that episode will look like, or I guess sound like. Uh, (laughs) But in the meanwhile, we wanted to invite you listeners at home to join us for the fun on the show. So uh, we've set up a phone line that you can call and leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you and play your message on the show. So think of this like our emails, except, you know. Except guess- this one starts with 1900. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't leave us any messages like that. Uh, or do, and we won't play them on the show, and we'll enjoy them all our own. Hey, Dan and Mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got some spider talk right here for you. <laughs> so uh, anyway, our, our new voicemail number is – okay, and bear with me here because it's a weird one. Our new voicemail <laughs> number is 9REDGOBLIN. Again, that's 9REDGOBLIN. Why is it 9REDGOBLIN, you might ask, Mark? Yeah, yeah, why is it 9REDGOBLIN, Dan? That's a great question. Thank you for asking, Mark. Um, it's because I tried to get a number with goblin in it or any other thing that would be recognizable. And, uh, then I just made a word out of the remaining numbers and it worked out to red goblin. So nine red goblin, I think I'm giving the, uh, the Marvel editors some ideas here about, uh, where they can take a new goblin character. What do you think about maybe, the red maybe, goblin? I would say maybe this is finally Normie Osborne in the 616 universe. Okay, great. So that is nine red goblin. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. Um, you know, for our hundredth episode. And you know, there's a number of things you can tell us, but we're curious. Tell us why you listen to the show. Um, any fun memories you have of listening? Did like, do you play this in like your house that people make fun of you? Or uh, we heard in the past that there was a comic shop that was playing this over their loudspeakers. We still don't know who that was. Um, but yeah, call us in with any memories you have of the show of over the, if you're a new listener, if you're an old listener, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know, you guys make the show possible and, and fuel our continuing desire to do so, to make the show. So we want, we want to bring you in. So, uh, you know, tell us some short stories, questions of things you want to know about behind the scenes of the show and any kind wishes you have, or if you hate our guts, let us know, too. Although I don't know why you're listening, if, if that's the case. Maybe you're some kind of weird masochist, and and this is your one particular thing you do to torture yourself. Uh, Mark, is there anything you want to hear about from our listeners? Oh, yeah. Like, I totally want people to, like, you know, criticize, like, all the times I uh, didn't know what a no prize was. Or, uh, <laughs> we still get or, emails like, about that. We still get emails or, about that. Or thought about annuals or, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, or, you know, all the countless things I do wrong. I love hearing what I do wrong. Like I, I take it so well. Um, <laughs> so by all means, leave voicemails for that. Also, Papa Jonah, if you're, if you're, if you're looking for a pizza, you can call our number and leave us a pizza yeah. order. Yeah. I want the most creative Papa Jonah pizza, hot dog crust pizza. Wait, it's already been done only at Papa Jonah's. Um, <laughs> and, uh, also Karate Kid 3 movie reviews since you still won't do it for movie dare. Movie dare doesn't exist anymore. Unfortunately, Mark, that's how much I've been paying attention to your podcast. It's great. It's great. So uh, again, that's nine red goblin. We can't wait to hear what messages you guys have in store for us. Mark, uh, I think it's no surprise that we're doing our Flash Thompson's Flash reviews, and 
you're probably going to invite one of my least favorite people on the planet to the microphone, which for somehow he does this without fail every time we do this. Yeah, well, you know, he's not even your, not only your least favorite person on the planet, but these days he's probably your least favorite person in the galaxy. Am I right? Venom yeah, my Space least Knight, favorite planet. Right, right, all- right, Venom. Hey, hey, when I tell you about that, we don't talk about the Venom. Although it is interesting to me that we have a whole show dedicated to uh, Peter Parker, or excuse me, Spider Man joining the Avengers. But uh, the story about Agent Venom joining the Secret Avengers is not part of your essential list. Why is that, Mr. Gavazin, if that's your real name? This isn't a Flash Thompson-centric show as much as you try to make it that way. Sometimes – no, not even sometimes, all the time. (laughs) I don't know. All I know is I think if you looked at your download history, I bet you you've seen a spike when your old pal Eugene Flash Thompson started doing his reviews on this show, don't you think? Actually, I will admit that our Venom episode is the best downloaded episode we have, except here's the catch – you weren't in the Venom costume at that time. Or, or, sorry, we're not supposed to talk about the Venom costume. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, all I know is that we like brains and I got to go drink now. So, bye-bye. All right, Dan. Well, the uh, the, the, the not Venom has spoken. Uh, it's time for Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews. X-Nay um, on the Enum Vey. Yeah, he, he looks like he's drinking for two tonight, and that's not just like a joke about Flash drinking a lot. Like he's got like one bottle, and then he's got some some. I don't even know what 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 would the symbiote drink? Do you think, Dan? Adrenaline, isn't that? Yeah, canon? yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, so there you go. He's got some adrenaline, I guess, in a bottle. No, that's scotch. No, he's just drinking two bottles of scotch. I'm totally wrong. Anyway. <laughs> So the rules are, of course, 60-second reviews. You get, you know, it's good or it's bad. None of this happy horse stuff. <laughs> uh, PG rated, of course. Uh, we're going to start with Secret Wars number seven. Uh, Dan, you want me to kick it off and you'll count me in? I will do just that. So three, two, one. All right. Well, I don't know. As much as I was grooving on this series, the first handful of issues, it has just lost all of its momentum for me. Uh, Some of the plot advancements in issue seven felt a bit rushed and inorganic to me, but maybe that's just because the first six issues were paced so much more slowly, not to mention released so much more slowly. Uh, so now the end result something incongruous. Uh, this is still comparatively an excellent Marvel event in terms of its story and art, but it's certainly uh, – and it's certainly much better than recent stories like Original Sin, Access, etc. But the boom's off the rose now, and I just want this thing to end so we can all move on and have everything in the Marvel Universe in sync with each other. I'm giving it a puny Parker. Wimpy, 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 Mark. Totally. I think I like – just had Siri record that whole review for the record. It's going to be interesting when that comes. I hope it, I hope I text it to you. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find. I don't know as much as I was grooving on this series. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, I'm going to count you in on three, two, one. Well, I'm still hanging with this series and hoping for a dramatic and character-heavy conclusion, but I agree with you, Mark. These past few chapters have been completely rushed and rely on ancillary characters that I just don't really care very much about. It's a complaint that I've levied at Hickman's work during his Avengers run and something that he's avoided mostly during this story. 
you know, this thing that he expects the audience to invest way more character into characters and situations than he's put into the story. The artwork is still gorgeous and the event's fun to read, but I'm ready for this story to focus back on Doctor Doom and the cast of the Fantastic Four again, especially considering how much I felt that last issue dropped the ball on the expanded cast. Still, I think the story will read much better in trade than issue by issue. This one's a filler and thus Puny Parker. So the next one is Spider-Gwen 2, Dan. Are we ready? I am. How about you? You're going to go first. Well, exactly. So count me in, son. Three, two, one. All right, Dan. Uh, mea culpa time. I might have overstated my affections for this series in my last review. Uh, perhaps I'm still just hanging on to the nostalgia of Gwen's dynamic debut about a year ago. I mean, that was a character in a universe I wanted to read more about, making the announcement of her own series so much more exciting. But now I feel like Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez have lost a bit of what made Spider-Gwen so unique and special. That verve and attitude that set this series apart. The mystery of the lizard and his role in Peter Parker's death is not interesting to me, nor is watching Gwen operate so passively. I'm getting very little of her personality in favor of more and more world building, which has its place. But each issue is feeling increasingly more heavy with exposition. I say puny Parker. And now your turn, Dan, in three, two, one. I continue to be the lone wolf in my feelings about Spider-Gwen, though it's nice to see you starting to come around, Mark. It's not that I delight in disliking this book. It's just that I still don't think that this story and character have lived up to the potential of the debut story. And instead, the story is being told both visually and narratively directionless and confused. At the very least, I could understand what happened in this issue, unlike the last one. But suddenly, we've got a whole host of new characters to care about, while the most interesting story that has been building since the start of the series remains unaddressed. That story is the one between Gwen and her father. Still, I think the story and character beats of this particular book are hard to register. And I'm sorry, I like Robbie Rodriguez's designs, but I have the hardest time reading his stories beat for beat. I'm calling this one Puny Parker. All right, we're a tough crowd this issue. Uh, uh, episode, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I just, I don't know. Well, let's see. Will, will we change our tune for Web Warriors number one? Count me in, sir. All right, counting you in in three, two, one. Well, here's the positive. I was surprised by exactly how much I ended up liking this debut. This comic pretty much captures all of the dimension-hopping fun I would have come to expect in the original Spider-Verse arc. Remember that one, Dan? <laughs> how could uh, I forget? It's significantly better than the Secret Wars mini and more in line with Mike Costa's mostly excellent Scarlet Spider, Spider-Verse mini. Uh, Balderon's artwork was also quite excellent, and the twist reveal at the end with Electro is, again, a great demonstration on how such a multiversal cosmic-type story can be a lot of fun. Uh, the issue also balances all the different Spideys perfectly, so we don't go too overboard with any of those type A personalities, <laughs> like Spider-Ham. <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to say fan club certified. All right. And Mark. now you, yeah, three, two, one. Mark, I agree that the tone and style of this book is much more in keeping with what I wanted Spider-Verse to be rather than the doom gloom fest that it turned out to be. Web Warriors number one I thought was fun, and it helps that David Baldion somehow found a way to represent each character in a distinctly different art style, all while making it mesh. That said, I felt like for a debut issue, uh, 
these, this thing was really overpacked, especially when I'm looking for a set of rules and goals to be established regarding this strange multiversal tale. I'm looking forward to the spiders fighting an army of Electros, but just like during Spider-Verse, I'm looking for some grounding. See what I did there? Eh? Fan club certified. Yeah, I know. That one, that one really sizzled. <laughs> Terrible. I know. All right, we got Spider-Man 2099, number three, up. I can't believe we're already on the third issue of this book. Didn't, I know. Didn't realize it was going to be a bi-weekly book here. I guess Peter David just has those stories to churn out. Yeah, I guess so. All right, I'm going to count you in in three, two, one. So this series seems to be the most inconsistent one for me uh, from these new Spider books, uh, in large part because three issues in and we're still getting new plot twists that impact my take on the status quo. Uh, there were some daring choices in issue number two that were seemingly negated here, and that's a little disappointing to me. On top of that, the boss battle, if you will, with Kronos came across as trite and lacking substance, despite occupying the bulk of the issue in terms of page count. Uh, we also seem to be getting some contradictions in Miguel's characterization, which is odd, since uh, Peter David has almost exclusively written the character since the 1990s. Uh, I'm specifically referring to uh, kind of his edge and his, his no-kill code, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I'm going to say Puny Parker for this issue. All right. Count me in, Mark. Three, two, one. Yeah, this issue felt like a huge pivot to me when the book didn't really need to. Not only does the beginning of this book stall on the battle we were promised in a really odd way, but the book then spends 17 pages on that fight, which doesn't turn out to be particularly memorable. However, it was the end of the book that I felt was really strange, as a major change introduced in the first issue is seemingly undone, as if by, like, magic, or, like, the characters all just missed out on something really huge. Um, I'm still on board Peter David's crazy train, but I'm not entirely sure why he decided to take his story this direction after giving it such an intriguing start. So I'm calling this one Puny Parker. So we got a bunch of other books that came out, but we're going to be saving them for our next Essentials episode. So stay tuned for our coverage of Carnage, Spider-Woman, and all-new, all-different Avengers number one. We got three number ones to cover next episode. Um, in, our, in, our, in our jam-packed and stuffing Thanksgiving episode, Dan. Oh, see? This isn't completely pun-free for you, Mark. No, it's not. I'm just a turkey for that kind of stuff. Oh, geez. All right. Two, <laughs> all right. Two ja- dad jokes each, and I think we're, we're drawing the line there. Oh, anyway, why don't you take us home, Dan? Yeah, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. And like always, if you have any opinions on the comic we talked about today or any of the other comics we reviewed today, uh, email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read those on the air as well. Should we remind people to call Nine Red Goblin, too, while we're at it, Dan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Call Nine Red Goblin and leave us your messages for episode 100, uh, which is coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So also be sure to check out our Facebook pages at Superior Spider Talk and Chasing Amazing. 
As always, if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, be sure to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin. And they recently recorded an awesome interview with the director of the new uh, Spider-Man Lives fan film. That's the Miles Morales fan film. Did you get a chance to watch that, Mark? Uh, not yet, Dan, but uh, it's on my to-do list. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And um, it's cool that this director... You know, he wasn't getting a Miles film in theaters, so he said, you know what, let's just do what the studios won't and make our own little film. And um, it's a pretty interesting interview, so I think you should all go check that out over in The Ultimate Spin. Uh, So we want to make sure we send some thanks out to the musical talent that makes our show alive. That's that our theme song is from courtesy of Rylan Bojack and our outro song comes from Magic. And again, a special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friend, and Sal Buscema for our show's artwork. And I have to say, um, you know, Ray Sumzer, our artist, has a Kickstarter going on, which I'll put a link to in our show notes. He's raising money to uh, rent a studio in, in New York City, I believe, so that he can paint this giant comic on the wall of the studio uh, for his latest, uh, I guess, uh, piece of artwork. So... Uh, if you want to help support him, he could use all the help uh, he can get. So check that out in our show notes. So, Dan, we got a bit of a delay until the next Spidey book. Uh, so uh, what are we going to be talking about on next week's show? Yeah, well, okay, so we've got another Essential coming up. And um, we're going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man numbers 578 and 579 right squarely in the middle of the brand new day era there. Or maybe towards the beginning of the brand new day era. Um, and, uh, this story is also known as unscheduled stop, which is, uh, I think a favorite of most people who read brand new day. Um, so, uh, it's a one, you know, it's written by Mark Wade and penciled by Marcos Martin. So, uh, be sure to read it and join us for the conversation next week. Excellent. So Dan, where can we find you on the interwebs? Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at sup spider talk or at Dan Gavazdin, both of my Twitter accounts. Uh, you can read all of our stuff at superiorspidertalk.com or all of my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com. What about you, Mark? Well, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at chasingasmblog, and you can find my writings on superiorspidertalk.com, uh, where uh, we will be wrapping up our Volume 2 review uh, retrospective. I know all 12 of you who have been reading it have been loving it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, the the Mackie Burns stuff's going to be coming to an end, uh, and then we'll we'll be kicking off something new, which I'll announce on the next episode. Uh, and that's really it for me on terms of the internet, unless you like want to follow my work stuff, which you can't find on the internet. <laughs> Thanks for that scintillating plug. <laughs> Not a plug at all, Dan. <laughs> well, Mark, I've been in a lot of clubs in my life, but none as exclusive as the Avengers. I mean. I'm None. a cool dude, but not not that cool. Right, right. Uh, but um, what was this I heard about you and your uncle being in Nambla together? In Nambla? You know, oh, the, the North American Man-Boy Love Association. <laughs> right, right. Nambla, Nambla. Um, you know, I, I wonder if you're confusing this with the time that uh, Uncle Ben and I were asked to do a commercial. What commercial was that? 
It was for Subway sandwiches, Dan. Oh, uh, yeah, may- maybe. I mean, I get it. Okay, man, boy, love, Subway. Yeah, yeah you know. How topical of you. I, well, you know, we're nothing but topical on uh, Amazing Spider Talk. Um, yeah, so so let me tell you this story about this commercial shoot. I, g- I got to um, know about this. Uncle Ben and I were always a big fan of the, you know, the, the $5 footlong Tuesday promotion. I mean, you know, we would just spend summers getting our $5 footlongs. <laughs> this sounds terrible, Dan. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Please continue. Um, I want know, to know the... more about this footlong association uh, between you and Uncle Ben. So we would come in every Tuesday, get our BMTs, bigger, meatier, tastier. And then this guy came up to us. And, you know, I, I thought he looked familiar. And he was like, hey, you might recognize me from the commercials I've been doing. I lost a lot of weight eating Subway sandwiches, and I want you to be in the next commercial. And and Dan, I gotta be honest, something about this guy was kind of kind of throwing me off. And then I looked in the news this week, and it all came back to me. It was that Jared Fogle guy, and and I, I called up Uncle Ben. I was like, Hey, wasn't this the guy who wanted us to be in his commercial? And 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 Uncle Ben was like, Yeah, may that serve as a reminder. With great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.